Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme, I suppose. Uh, John Paul, taking your calls at 0818 103 103. And I suppose we have to start by sending our congratulations uh, to the men from St. Finbars who certainly put their hurling demons of 29 years to rest yesterday, uh, winning the county hurling uh, final. And the Sean Og Murphy Cup is now back in Toker after a famine of almost three three uh, decades. So well done to everybody in St. Fembers. No doubt the celebrations are still continuing uh, this morning and the conditions could not have been worse, could they not for a game of hurling. I saw Anne Murphy in the examiner uh, this morning uh, talking about rain of uh, biblical proportions was what fell yesterday and actually some of the photographs that were taken while the match was on, it was just incredible how anybody managed to play hurling in those horrendous horrendous uh, conditions and of course that rain wasn't just falling in Porky Cueve uh, yesterday Cork City really really got hammered yesterday torrential downpours throughout the afternoon and that of course led to a number of flooding across the city. We'll be talking about that uh, flooding in a little while on the programme and uh, hopefully uh, it's all subsided this morning but businesses I imagine, I don't know if homes were affected or not but the clean up operation and anyone who who's listening, particularly in any of the county towns that have flooded over the years, they will know what the people in the areas affected yesterday are going through today. I also saw a a report that Cork County Fire Service had to be called out to a house in Mitchellstown that that got uh, flooded yesterday as well. I don't know whether it was just a one-off house or was there much, uh, did other homes get flooded in Mitchellstown as well? As I say, we will uh, have more on that um, uh, in a little while on the programme. And just before before I leave the county early uh, final yesterday, I did spot a, I think it was a Facebook post that went up yesterday that made me smile from Annette Nagel and Annette we've had, actually we've spoken with Annette before on the programme, she's a great uh, fan of uh, C103 and she happened to tune in yesterday afternoon and she picked up on Paddy Palmer was commentating at the time when she tuned in to C103 yesterday he was commentating on the match before the St Finbar's match and that was the Inniscarra Castle Martyr match and she says, she says she put up on Facebook, what an entertaining 
entertaining commentary. I've no allegiance to either of these teams, but I couldn't stop listening. Even if I knew nothing about the game of hurling, you'd be glued to the commentary yesterday with uh, Pawdy Palmer. And then she says it did, it, it did go on to be a draw. She said one comment from Pawdy about a, hurl, a hurler who got a slap at the slither in the backside. He's going to need the pseudo cream tonight. Seriously, great entertainment, says Annette, without having to leave the house. And she says she's definitely going to be tuning in from the, for the replay. So well done uh, to Pawdy Palmer and indeed all of our, our sports guys at C103 are just excellent, are absolutely excellent. They excel at what they do and they have an absolute passion about what they do but Paddy Palmer's uh, commentary as always is legendary so Paddy picking up a new fan yesterday with uh, Annette 0818 103 103 and while I'm on the, the thank yous to people can I just say a huge thank you to John Paul and to Bernie who this day last week had to react very quickly and jump in and cover the programme for the week because the dreaded COVID came and decided to visit our home once again last week weekend and we knew fairly quickly that we were dealing with the case of COVID because on the previous Friday night when I'd finished up the show on the Friday I'd mentioned that we were heading off to the radio awards the Imro radio awards uh, in Kilkenny on Friday night and for in order for myself and Brenda my husband to go to the Imro Imro the radio awards Paula my gorgeous sister Paula had travelled from Dungarvan to mind Marsha for the night so that we could get our night away getting all glammed up and having a great night uh, out and unfortunately what happened was Paula arrived we took off to Kilkenny Paula was minding Marcia everything was going fine and then Paula discovered that her sister-in-law who she had been with on the previous Tuesday had tested positive for Covid now she did a rapid antigen test and she was negative and I said you'll be fine we'll be home in the morning everything will be grand and then Friday night into Saturday morning uh, Paula my sister became unwell in our house while at home with uh, Marcia and uh, so we woke Saturday morning to Paula saying I'm really not feeling that well so we left Kilkenny and got home as quick as we could she actually started to feel so unwell that her husband had to get a bus up from Dungarvan in order to drive her car back because she actually didn't feel well enough to to drive back but she was still testing negative for COVID at that stage and then Saturday night she confirmed that she had finally tested positive for COVID so we knew we were going to be now looking out for COVID in our household Sunday we all did the test both myself and Brendan were negative but Marcia was positive so we said okay we've got COVID in the household and obviously when you've got a special needs uh, child there's no way that Marcia can isolate self-isolate go to a room and be on her own it just is impossible so we've come to the conclusion that whenever COVID comes into our house it's going to be all of us together because there's no way that she can look after herself you know and even with masks and gloves and hand sanitizer, it is impossible for us not uh, to pick up COVID so Sunday night I went to bed again testing negative feeling fine feeling okay and then during the night I woke and suddenly felt very unwell so I realised I had COVID and Brenda, my husband, was the same. So we, we knew we were going to have a week of isolation and doing everything that we had to do to try to get over COVID. The one thing I will say, because all three of us had it back in March, 
of this year and again all three of us uh, got it together this time round was slightly different in that both myself and Brendan we had had our booster shot about a month ago I've been trying for the last month to get Marsha her second booster but unfortunately she doesn't fall in under any of the categories that she was entitled to uh, a booster while her while she's deaf blind she doesn't have any thankfully she doesn't have any other underlying health conditions so therefore she didn't come into any of the categories and she obviously wasn't over 50 she wasn't in the age category in order to be able to qualify for a booster and I do think the booster shot was the difference for myself and Brendan in that while we knew we had COVID and we were unwell for a day or, or two we certainly wa- I certainly wasn't as sick as I was back in uh, March neither was Brendan Marsha bless her heart was as sick as, as, as she was in that she spikes really really high temperatures none of us though um, had the very heavy sort of fluey like symptoms like the coughs and the sneezing and the runny nose I mean back in March I had really bad sinus infections that was just horrendous the pain of it I had none of that this time I had more aches and pains and obviously that awful tiredness that goes uh, with COVID but we definitely are putting down the fact that we had had our second booster to the reason that we weren't as sick and seemed to have bounced back uh, quicker from it so to anybody who hasn't had their booster and if you're eligible for a booster I would say go out and get uh, your uh, booster Uh, but uh, thankfully over it oh and we did you know the self-isolation all of that you have to abide by all of those rules and regulations and um, and we've we got we've gotten over it uh, thank God but then I've discovered hearing it's only when you start to talk about COVID again you start to hear about more and more people are coming down with COVID so COVID certainly hasn't gone away it is out there in the community for sure and the fact that while we knew we had COVID even though initially on antigen tests we were testing negative it took a day or two for me to test positive on an antigen test that worried me because I was thinking I would have gone around only that we had known that we were in close proximity with somebody who had COVID I would have thought oh I've just got a bit of a a cold or whatever and would have gone out and about so I think we've got to be very careful particularly if you come in contact with somebody with COVID and you initially are testing negative on an antigen uh, test I think you need to take all of the precautions uh, because a day or two later you could suddenly discover that you are uh, positive but there certainly does seem to be an amount of COVID out there in the community but the plus side is the fact that so many of us are vaccinated vaccinated, the fact that so many of us have our boosters up to date it is looking like we're not getting as as sick even though I know there is a slight increase in the numbers of people who are ending up in hospital either because of COVID or when they're in hospital are getting uh, COVID. There will always be a group of people who will be very vulnerable and very susceptible uh, to COVID and unfortunately there will always be people who will be at risk of dying from COVID. A little bit like the flu season every year when it comes. For most of us if we get the flu we'll have a few days where we're feeling absolutely rotten. Take to the bed and then you bounce back and you're okay. But of course we know every year there are a cohort of people who will die because of the uh, flu and don't forget the flu vaccines by the way you can get those as well they are out and about and the one thing last week then obviously when I was off last week all of the any bit of news that I didn't manage to watch across the week it was just were were our hearts not broken for the people of Creasla in County Donegal such a dreadful 
dreadful uh, event. And, you know, what really struck me when I was watching it was, you know, this small little village of, of Cresla. Had I heard of Cresla before? No, I'd never heard of it uh, before. And this, the little, the shop in the centre of the village with the petrol pumps and it's the post office and it's the deli and you can get your takeaway coffees in there and it's the hub of the village. And so many of our villages across Cork, it could have been any of our little villages across Cork where they have that one garage and shop and post office and everybody congregates there. It was just a dreadful, dreadful uh, uh, tragedy to happen and to watch all of those funerals, you know, one after the after the other and the last of them were on yesterday. They were absolutely heartbreaking. And I'm seeing in the papers this morning that they, the Gardaí now have, and it's a difficult task for the Gardaí in Donegal. They're now going door to door around the uh, village of Cresla in the hope of you know help, trying to help out with their investigation and you know part of the investigation is they're going out to the locals asking them if they noticed anything unusual in the moments just before the explosion obviously a possible gas leak is one of the theories being uh, considered by the investigating uh, officers and investigators they are still very slowly picking their way through the huge mound of debris which had been removed from the blast scene and they put it all at a site on the outskirts of the, the village. Now initially the debris was taken there by local contractors sometimes you know it happened in the hours after the explosion and in the days after the explosion so very quickly the Gardaí realised that they may need that as part of their investigation so they have this site outside of the village and all the masonry is there but the furniture that's there from the apartments and seemingly there's lots of personal items you know people's clothing and shut, shut, footwear that can all be seen amongst the rubble and all of that is going to form part of the overall investigation into what was the possible cause of the uh, blast but um, a heart's break for the people of of, of County Donegal but in, in particular the 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 villagers and the residents of uh, Crishla and you know today they now life has to continue for them you know as best they can they have to try to put their lives uh, together absolutely heartbreaking when I was sending congratulations to the bars on uh, winning the county final somebody says Patricia would you say congratulations to Kilchanik they won the North Cork final played in Butterfield yesterday it was also played in atrocious conditions fair play to uh, both uh, teams congratulations Congratulations to uh, Kilshannock. And as you mentioned, homes and businesses across Cork this morning are counting the cost of the damage caused by yesterday's downpours. Now, Met Aaron had issued a double weather warning, which was for heavy rain and strong winds in the afternoon. And to see how things are this morning, Mairead Tuick, uh, from our news reporter, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. Now you're dry and in the city and uh, hopefully all okay. Are all roads now fully reopened? They are, Patricia. Yeah, they're all fully reopened. What I did notice on the way is, you know, there's a lot of kind of leaves, wet kind of leaves on the road. So, so what's the advice there is just to, to, you know, take it handy because if you do have to brake suddenly in conditions like that, you know, you might just want to allow extra brake room and things like that. But for the most part, all roads are open. And I was just in one business there that was impacted by yesterday's flooding. It's on uh, Douglas Street. You can probably tell there I'm in the city. With the, I can. The uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was just in uh, the flower studio on, on uh, Douglas Street there and they were hit by flooding yesterday. I was talking to Justine Looney and um, she said she was there as the waters came in 
And you can just imagine how frustrating that is. You're standing in your business and there's floodwaters just gushing in the door and you're thinking, what am I going to do? She said she'd nearly have preferred to come in and it have had to have happened rather than to be there and witness it happen as you're as you're working in your business. So they're cleaning out their, their area today. She said they're still taking online orders and hoping to have the, the shop fully reopened tomorrow. So and as we were there, there was people going coming in and they had to say, look, we're closed today. Sorry. You know, so it's, it's really frustrating for our business owners. Um, I walked up Rutland Street, actually, and I noticed that there is some of the, the drains there. You can see the leaves, like, you know, blocking them. Some of them are cleared, some are, some are blocked. So uh, council crews have been out uh, unclogging those blocked drains. And, you know, the volume of rain is what uh, David Joyce, the director of, of services with Cork City Council, said this morning. You know, it's just the, the amount of rain that fell was just unbelievable and um, it, it just, I suppose, it, it, well, for me, it came completely out of the blue. I know there was th- that yellow warning from Met Aaron, but it was just, it was shocking. I mean, I felt at home like I was sitting in a car wash or something at the rate that yeah, it was. Yeah, and windows, it, it you, know? you know, I mean, it was, you know, rain of biblical proportions was was how Anne Murphy was talking about it in the Examiner today. And it, it, it and she's right because it looked like, you know, because I, I was listening to those, you know, the double weather warnings and I said, it looks okay. And like suddenly it started and it was the amount of rain that fell in a relatively short period of time. It was, and it was absolutely frightening. And I mean, to think that it closed to the likes of the, the South City Link Road and uh, the South Ring was held up for a long time. They had to close the ramp um, from Douglas onto the N40 just to clear that backlog. And I heard you there congratulating the bars. And of course, that big match was on in Parky Cueve as well. So they sat there in the, the pouring rain and played in the pouring rain and then trying to get home from there. You know, I suppose it was it was just altogether, it was just unbelievable and so unexpected. So, so yeah, as I say, the, the, I mean, I've seen videos there of the the South City Link and people just standing out on the road. I mean, and just it just all blocked because of floodwaters, and it was just it's it's unbelievable to think like a complete freak kind of flooding incident, um, that that hit the city. And as I say, there you know there is some businesses like the Flurry Studio. You know, there is a number of businesses have been impacted by it, but they're you know they've their cleanup operation in place and and opening again tomorrow. So. Fingers crossed that, you know, that that's the same case for, for any premises that has been impacted, you know. Yeah, because John, one of our listeners saying, hi, Patricia, I'm here people saying this flooding is caused by climate change. I'm thinking it's more in the line of uh, blocking the drains. That's what's causing it. It is uh, a fact. So it was it's the time of the year as well. I mean, I imagine the councils do their best to try to keep the drains as clear as possible. But it's just the timing with, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's the timing of the year. It's the leaves coming off the trees. The the amount of rain that fell and the force that it fell with, it was that bit of wind there as well. And uh, what David Joyce said, you know, they had their response crews out. They were unclogging the trains. But at, that at times, the rain just overwhelmed the drain system and that it just, when the two met together, it just made for this this flooding event to happen. Now we have uh, Deputy Thomas Gould is calling on um, government, the OPW and Cork City Council to you know to take action, put in these flood protection measures. He said people are really frustrated. He told me this morning. He said his phone has been hopping. You know, people getting in touch because we saw Blackpool as well. Uh, the fire service were up there. They were pumping uh, flood waters in Blackpool as well. So there was a lot of places um, really severely impacted. And as I say, it came so out of the blue 
nobody really expected it, you know. And I've seen a lot of places up here. I've seen sandbags outside uh, Collins here on Douglas Street. And I've seen some private houses, you know, with those uh, flood barriers outside their houses as well. So people do, you know, they're they're taking the measures there to protect themselves. But it's such a nerve wrecking time. You, you see the amount of rain that's falling and you can't help but think, oh, my God, you know, what's going to what's the result of this going to be for for my home or my business you know stressful stressful there's nothing worse than cleaning up after a flood so our thoughts are with everyone this morning as that clean up uh, begins and as always uh, please support all of those businesses when they are hopefully back up and running either later today or tomorrow Mairead as always pleasure to have you on thank you for that stay thank dry you, Patricia. and thanks thank for joining us <laughs> bye bye that is uh, Mairead uh, Tuig our news reporter 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Figures reveal that there are over 277,000 learner drivers on Irish roads at the moment. But when you dig into those figures, you'll see that nearly 11,000 drivers have an L plate up on their car for over 21 years. To discuss what looks to some people like some abusing the system, I'm joined by transport commentator Connor Faulkner. Good morning to you, Connor. Hello, Patricia. Good morning. And it's great to talk to you. Now, surely there can't be 11,000 people who keep failing their driving test over a 21-year period. Um, well, it's theoretically possible, and there are some of those people perhaps included in that number, Patricia. Uh, and there may be other anomalies. You know, there may be people who, for various reasons, just aren't active as drivers. Or, I don't know. But it's clearly an odd number. Now, it's a relatively small number in total because we've over 2 million licensed drivers. But yeah, I mean, a handful, at least on paper, uh, have continually renewed learner permits. Um, status that have never actually got through the driving test um, seems strange but uh, yeah clearly so But you can actually get a second or third learner permit by just applying for a test, can't you? But never turning up for the test. Yeah, you can. So, you know, if you really want to, you can avoid the test or try and avoid the test all through your life. And it's quite an eccentric thing to do because it's nearly more difficult to avoid it than it is to pass the test itself. Uh, And, you know, if you are an experienced driver, if you physically be driving on the road, it's very unlikely that you'd be unable to pass a driving test. Um, But there you go. Some people, uh, you know, what you can do in theory, if you've applied for a driving test, you can renew your learner permit uh, and carry on as you go. Um, But I suspect a lot of these people are just, you know, not being picked up by Gardaí over the years. In in theory, they still have learner permit restrictions, so they must be accompanied. They only have six penalty points available to them rather than 12. So there's all sorts of reasons why it's a poor idea to do this. But I guess it is in theory possible to evade the driving test down through the years and get away with it. Do you accept that there are just some people who are simply too nervous about the idea of taking a driving test? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. And maybe there's some, because there's no, there's no evident correlation between this cohort of people and worse accidents. Um, so that's, I guess, interesting in itself. Now, it is, I stress, a small number in the context of two million Irish drivers, yeah. but it's, a, it's an eccentric little cohort. Is it truly a road safety problem? 
doesn't really turn up in the data, but I mean, it's obviously bad practice. Um, and, you know, there may be various explanations for it. They may not all be active drivers at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, but in some cases, there are people who are driving in and out for years um, as if they had full licenses and have just never bothered with the test. And as I say, while you could in theory get away with that, I wonder why you'd want to yeah. um, because you'd just go ahead and get your test. Yeah, and a lot. I mean, and I mean, further down in the figures, like I think it was nearly five thousand have been on a learner permit. They would have got their first learner permit over twenty six years ago. And of course, twenty six years ago, you could go get your learner permit, put up an L plate, and drive. You didn't have to have a, a, a fully qualified driver with you. Yeah, well, you could act as if you were a fully licensed driver, and nobody gave a blind bit an ocean to it and couldn't tell the difference. But that's long, long ago now at this stage, Patricia. Um, 30 years ago, the system for teaching drivers was absolutely shambolic. It's much, much better now. Uh, And you just follow the process, go ahead and get your licence. And if you don't, uh, well, you face restrictions, you have fewer penalty points, you have to be accompanied. Who wants to spend 20 years of their driving life uh, dodging Gardaí and being Mm. nervous about their status? It, It seems a strange thing to consciously want to do when it's literally easier to go ahead and get your test. So I suspect there's many people in that number, you know, who aren't doing it for various reasons or whatever, you know, maybe they just continually renew with a view to doing their test, but, you know, never bother doing so and and are not regular drivers. Um, And maybe some are just completely flouting the law and ignoring it. Okay, another listener says is aware of at least two learner drivers uh, who avoid having to have a qualified driver with them because they don't put an L plate up on their car. Yeah, that's right. If they get stopped, is there insurance implications in that? Not insurance implications, no, but it, it is a road traffic offence. Okay. So you'll be fined and you could face penalty points. But it doesn't affect your insurance per se, no. Uh, but it, it sort of illustrates the point, Patricia. You know, why would you consciously do this when if you're competent enough to drive around on the roads at all, uh, you, you should, in all reasonableness, be able to get yourself past a driving test. And, you know, famously, some people take loads of, you know, need to take loads of goals to do their driving test, but do eventually get it. Um, but, you know, there's no good reason for you to drive for 20 years in the, in that situation. So I suspect that, you know, it's a handful of exceptions and, um, you know, unusual reasons of one sort or another. I, I know one or two people myself just that, that I came across in my years in the AA um, who are so nervous about doing a driving test that they just refuse to ever do one. Um, but at the same time, you know, want to be able to drive a little bit locally. Um, and, you know, quite eccentric I guess but but no evidence that that is turning up in worsening road safety okay, statistics. Well that's, that, that is good to hear and you couldn't help but have sympathy for Helen in Adair when she heard that I was going to be speaking with you this morning. She's one of those, she said I'm one in that number she got her learner permit she said it's over 15 years ago now she's gone for the test many many times and she said I always seem to fail for very small issues. I live alone so I need my yeah. car but living alone means it's harder to get somebody to go out with me to do the practice. Never had an accident. I've got full no claims bonus. Many of us are not staying on the learner permit for the sake of it. I really have tried, but I just haven't been able to pass the test. I could be a driver tester, she said at this stage. I've undertaken the test so many times. I mean, what what do you say to Helen? 
Well, you know, it's a little unfortunate. It would be lovely if she could get the test and then she could forget all about it forever. But in the meantime, you know, she's not doing any harm to anyone. As they, I, I would have said even before you gave me the full detail of the story, Patricia, I'd be willing to bet that she's actually very safe on the roads, yeah. um, you know, and, and just doing small local driving. So, look, good luck to her. And I hope she eventually passes the test and she can laugh about it then. Um, but, yeah, you know, there'll be a, a, a small number of people like that in your 11,000 number. Um, there'll also be people who, as I say, just don't bother with the test uh, or actually, you know, driving is something that they always meant to get round to doing, but they've never even started learning uh, and, and, you know, just continually renew the learner permit and promise themselves they will. Uh, so, you know, they're not drivers at all, but they just do have learner permit licences. So an eccentric bunch of mixed reasons contained yeah. in that 11,000 number, I'd suggest, Patricia. And as we said at the start, in the context of our 2 million plus licensed drivers, uh, not a very large number to begin with. Okay, and I would always say whenever I'd hear of somebody like um, Helen, um, over the years I would have interviewed people who've sat the test many, many times as well. But mm-hmm. My advice always is go and go and get lessons. before yeah. you, Because if you're driving that long, you think, I don't need lessons. I have never had a license. I'm a safe driver. But they're the small things that a t- uh, an instructor will be able to point out that just might make the difference to Helen. Well, yes, that's right. Uh, and, you know, there's a knack to passing the driving test. It doesn't prove you're a safe driver, um, but, but you know, it, it, it proves that you know the rules. So if you learn driving systematically, if you learn the rules properly, in the ordinary course of events, bar exceptions, almost everybody can pass the driving test. Now, there are exceptions, hand on heart. You know, there are brilliantly bright, bright students who just can't do exams. They clam up, they get nervous and fail exams. Uh, they're the exception rather than the rule but they do exist and likewise you'll have people who are you know, safe, responsible drivers, um, but just get very nervous doing tests and, 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 and can't pass one. So, yeah, it, all human life, it's true. Okay. Listen, Connor, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Good Bye-bye. morning to you. That is Connor Faulkner, uh, a transport uh, commentator, 0818 103 103. I saw there's another text in on the learner drivers. Trish, on the topic of learner drivers, the amount of people where I live in Bandon driving around on L plates unaccompanied constantly asking how are they getting away with it they never seem to be stopped by uh, the Gardaí then I know of some who pass their tests and they'll take off the end plates after a few weeks how long are you meant to leave the end plates up is it a year after passing your test anyway it's all wrong says this texter more should be done about those on uh, learner permits some of those on learner permits with the L plates down are driving around carrying passengers which they're not meant to be doing because they don't have a qualified driver with them 0818 Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. According to a recent study from the Environmental Protection Agency, almost half the country's rivers, lakes, and coastal waters are polluted. To discuss why and more importantly, what can be done, I'm joined by Shane O'Boyle, who is Senior Scientific Officer at the Office of Environmental Assessment. Good morning to you, Shane. Uh, morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and, and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, can you just start by outlining what are the main reasons why so many of our waterways are polluted? 
Well, as you mentioned in your introduction, just over half of our surface water, so that's our rivers, lakes, estuaries and coastal waters, are in satisfactory condition. So that, that means that nearly half um, aren't as doing as well as, as they should sh- should do and they're being impacted by pollution. The main the main reasons, there's probably um, four main reasons, um, uh, but the, the, the main reason would be the runoff of, of nutrients and sediment from, from agriculture and, and also forestry activities when there's new forest plantations going in uh, and when they're being harvested you can get a lot of nutrients running into into your local waterways. Um, the other major problem is then untreated um, sewage um, coming from wastewater treatment plants and, and, and stormwater overflows. And that's just to say, obviously, that's a problem uh, that you have in Cork probably uh, today mm-hmm. and then the next couple of days with all of the flooding because the treatment plants just can't, um, can't cope. Yeah. You can't cope. The other major problem, which I suppose we're highlighting a bit more in this report uh, compared to previous reports, is the, the physical changes and modifications we're making to, to rivers. So uh, things like land drainage, again, for, for agricultural purposes, but you know historic culverts and weirs and dams that have been put in place, and they sort of block the movement of fish and, and other wildlife. So they, they create a problem as well. So those are the, those are the four major, major problems that we see. And are many of these polluted waterways posing a danger to human health? Well, um, no. Uh, again, the focus of this is mostly on the, the ecological ecological health, but it does give us a good indicator of water quality. So the better our water quality, um, the, the less treatment that we have to do, say, for, for drinking water. So we, we actually had a report out last week showing the sort of very high level of um, compliance with our, our, our drinking water um uh, treatment plants, but I suppose the thing is, the cleaner our sort of source water is, um, the better it actually is in terms for drinking water. And the less treatment you have to do, and the less chemicals you have to do to actually treat that water, and that's that's that can only be a, a good thing. So in general, it it. it it, it, with very few exceptions, there are one or two locations where um, there are high uh, nitrogen levels, uh, and that can cause a, a human health issue. But that's that's the exception rather than the rule. So one of the big the big implications from this study then would be fish kills. Yeah, fish kills. When you see a fish kill, you know that something has gone terribly wrong with your with your waters. So, unfortunately, um, we saw a number of uh, fish kills um, this year, or sorry, last year. There's 41 fish kills, and, and they really shouldn't be be happening. And uh, I think with climate change, unfortunately, um, we're probably going to see more fish kills because we're going to see sort of the double whammy of of increasing water temperatures, and when water is when when water is sort of um, warms up, it holds less oxygen, which is really really important. Fish need oxygen to survive, so when the water warms up, um, there's less oxygen, uh, and that leads to to fish kills. And also because of you know drought conditions, there's less water as well for the fish, uh, and those two things sort of combine together to impact on 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 fish kills. The, the better our water quality can be the more sort of robust and resilient our waterways can be to what climate change may bring in the future. So that's really another important message is that, you know, we, we really need resilient waters to, to help us cope with with the extra stress that climate change might bring for our, for our waterways. And is the situation, Shane, getting better or worse, say, when you compare the results of previous studies? 
Well, we've been doing this this work going back to sort of 2007 and 2009, this sort of full assessment that's required uh, under the Water Framework Directive. And we actually have to achieve uh, good status by 2027. So our waters have to be sort of in satisfactory condition by 2027, which is really just around the corner. So unfortunately... uh, We won't achieve that, surely. No, but we're no. we're actually going backwards rather than. Oh. I mean, nobody, you know, the, you know, the, it is an ambitious target that all waters, you know, get to good good status. But we would like to see, you know, we'd like to see um, our water quality sort of improving. Whereas in 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 the recent reports, we've actually seen it slip backwards by a couple of percent each time. So we're not going in the right direction. So we we do need to sort of turn that around. And what can we do in the short term to help the situation? Do you believe? Well, we, we, you know, I think we, it's a really comprehensive report, so we know what the conditions of the waters are, we know where the problems are, and to a large extent we know what the solutions are. So just to go back to the problems I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we need to just stop um, the loss of, of nutrients, so things like nitrates and phosphates, we need to stop them getting into the water. So, say for the for the farming community, and, 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 and they know this, they, they, they work with their agricultural advisors, they look at trying to develop nutrient management plans so that they're actually using their their chemical fertilizers in the most efficient way and and I think people have also heard about the price of chemical fertilizers mm. going up with everything else so so you know it's sort of a back of the envelope calculation that you know where the amount of 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 nitrates that's been washed off the land into our waterways and then out to sea you know that's equivalent to maybe 30 to 40 million million euros worth of fertilizer so it, it's in everybody's sort of interest to make sure that that nutrient stays where, where, where it needs to be, which is on the land, in crops, in grass, and it doesn't leach on it, you know, into, into our waterways. So, again, having really well thought out nutrient management plans, you know, spreading manure at the right time, using low technology emission spreaders, all of these things can help in trying to m- making sure that we can, you know, keep, keep the nutrient on the land where it should be. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, thank you for that, uh, Shane, and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Shane O'Boyle, who is Senior Scientific Officer uh, with the Office of Environmental Assessment and certainly worrying, worrying to see that half of our country's rivers, lakes and coastal waters are uh, polluted. And actually, when Shane uh, spoke about, you know, there is a goal and it was it's an EU goal that was set to restore all our waterways to good status by 2027. But looking at the latest report out, it doesn't look like it's going to be uh, achieved, bearing in mind that so much of our drinking water does come from uh, rivers and uh, lakes and we all have uh, some role to play in it. 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls and I can see some calls coming in particularly when I was chatting with Conor Faulkton of the formerly with the AA actually somebody had a question in about AA insurance Conor isn't with the AA anymore he joined us as a transport correspondent but uh, Michael uh, reckons that everybody needs to be taught could people be taught how to drive around roundabouts he it says in Mitchellstown in, in particular he said people shoot straight across the wrong lanes on the roundabout they really don't know which lane they should be in when they approach the roundabout and he said if you try to alert them by maybe pipping the horn they'll be given out back to you he said time and time again he comes across people particularly on that one of the main roundabouts in Mitchellstown people are in the wrong lane he reckons roundabouts need to be included in driving uh, tests I'm sure they are I've turned many years ago now since I did my driving test I'm sure 
year I went, I did, I know for sure I did go around the roundabout. I can, in, I, in my mind, I can still see the route that I did for my driving uh, test, but he reckons people need to up uh, their, uh, their driving skills, but particularly when it comes to roundabouts. Do you notice people are particularly bad at driving around roundabouts in your area? 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We're going to take a break. We've news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And when we were talking about the number of people who are still driving on learner permits, over 11,000 people on learner permits for over 21 years, 5,000 on a learner permit for over 26 years. Uh, but as Connor says, it is uh, just a fraction when you look at the over 2 million uh, people who have a fully full driver's licence in this country. Somebody by text says, Patricia, there are literally hundreds of people out there, dare I say thousands of people out there, and you'd wonder how any of them ever passed a, a test. Was there always that theory that you will never drive the way you drive the day you pass your test? I mean, you just, you do everything according to the book. But how many of us who pass first time round, second time round, third time round, I'm one of, I'm in the club of the first time, very proud of that, I have to say, but I don't know if I was to today sit into a car and do a driving test would I pass first time round? Because the longer you're driving, you have a tendency, don't you, to pick up the little bad habits. And of course, it's those bad habits that will cause you to fail your test. 0818103103. We were talking about how bad the weather conditions were yesterday and the flooding, etc. Actually, somebody else was on to say, John in Mallow was on to say, Ahakish, the Ahakishta Road heading to Fomoy flooded badly yesterday. And he said the reason for that was a drain hadn't been cleared. It hadn't been cleared for years and that resulted in the uh, flooding and a number of people actually are pointing out what a lot of the flooding was down to uh, yesterday uh, was to do with drains not being cleared. Audrey says Patricia a lot of that flooding yesterday could have been halved if the county council and the corporation uh, well the county and city council uh, were cleaned out the manhole covers and the shores where the water would the runoff of the water could have gone. Many of those manhole covers and shores are full of rubbish. There's weeds and grass growing out of some of them. Of course, then there was no where for the water to go and guess what happened we ended up with all of that uh, uh, flooding that's from Audrey thank you for that Audrey and then there was a text in from a listener when we were talking about how bad the weather conditions were yesterday and I was you know congratulating teams that had won matches yesterday and they played in absolutely atrocious conditions somebody is wondering when it comes to health and safety should the should those matches have been called off yesterday that it's certainly particularly the two matches that went on in uh, Porky Cueve the, the two there was a match at two o'clock Castamartyr in Ascara and then of course we had the, the senior hurling decider with uh, Fimbers and uh, Black Rock at four o'clock somebody's saying surely on health and safety grounds that those matches should have been as Tom should have been uh, called, off, called off at least with the Castlemartyr in Ascara the first match it was a draw and the players do, do get a chance to play again and hopefully the weather conditions will be better did anybody think about that that, that 
anybody feel that the match should have been called off yesterday? Tom reckons it, out of respect for health and safety, it should have been called off. And listen, when you're talking about respect and the GAA, and I heard Barry mention it on our news there at 11 o'clock, and I'd read about this uh, earlier, that the Gardaí are investigating an alleged assault on an under nine player. Just think about that. I'm assuming a little boy, could have been a little girl, but assuming a little boy of under nine. It was a children's sports event that was held in Thurles at the weekend. And the GAA's Munster Council are now investing the the incident. It was one of these blitz that were held. And anyone that has children involved in the GAA, the excitement of going along to the blitz. And it was held in Dr. Morris Park, which is beside Semple Stadium in Thurles. And it was held on Thursday morning. The young player was understood to have been hurt after a man entered the playing area. Now, I heard Munster Council PRO Bob Ryan quoted on national radio saying they're waiting a report from the uh, blitz. And obviously this particular instance now is following a number of other um, incidents that have been reported through various uh, club games, not just here in not just here in Munster, but it's been all over the country in recent weeks and months. And what's kind of a bit ironic about it all was just last Thursday, the GAA launched what they're calling the Respect the Referee Weekend. Now, Respect the Referee Weekend is due to take place at senior county finals across the country next weekend. But the, you know, there was a big fanfare about that on Thursday. You know, with the GAA saying we need to do something we need to respect the the referee but God do we need to start a campaign now to respect the young players And but just what got to me was it was an under nine player I mean what was that man thinking of and what did that little boy do that to have somebody storm on to the pitch and by all accounts the young boy was understood to have been hurt by the incident we'll wait to see what comes out from that report as I say there's to be a report from the, the Blitz but it seems that the Gardaí are investigating what they're saying is an alleged assault which is absolutely shocking on a child so young I wouldn't it turn off young children we're trying to get young people to get involved in sports uh, for their health if for nothing else but just to be part of a team it's such a fantastic thing for young people uh, to do and for something like that to happen is is truly truly uh, shocking 0818103103 Martin in from says Patricia I hear you this morning on about the roads being reopened particularly the ones in Cork City uh, after the flooding yesterday afternoon well says Martin in from I wish the main street in from would remain closed it is a shambles I've had two punctures of late from driving on it. I've no choice. I must use that street. I don't care who is responsible for the repairs on it but it needs to be repaired and it needs to be repaired immediately. Also Patricia where I live there are three huge potholes in the terrace in Fomoy where I live and wow they seem to be getting bigger and bigger every day. I'm wondering is this Martin are the council on strike because there's no trace of them coming out to repair the uh, potholes and by the way this is Martin in Fomoy. I'm the guy who contacted you a couple of weeks ago to say I was giving up the cigarettes off the cigarettes two weeks ago I'm still doing good now Martin's not off off them he says I'm down to four cigarettes a day compared to between 25 and 30 so you're on the road to kicking the habit keep it up Martin and keep us updated on your progress because Martin said it's actually helping him to let us know how he is uh, doing so good luck to you but just on the the potholes in on your terrace what I would suggest 
suggest, and I'm assuming you have already reported it to the county council, but, you know, get the neighbours to do it and keep reporting about the potholes, keep reporting that they're getting bigger and bigger. Because, you know, the old adage about the squeaky wheel, that's the one that gets the oil. And we've certainly noticed that before in the past for when we say to people, well, report it and keep reporting it. You know, eventually they'll get fed up of hearing Martin on the phone and his neighbours uh, contacting them either by email or by phone call to say, look, those potholes haven't been fixed and they will eventually. But you need to let them know and keep letting them know until something is done to uh, sort out the conditions of uh, the potholes on your roads. Now, we were talking about water uh, conditions and the worrying news that so many of our waterways and streams are uh, polluted. Some commentary in on that. Frank says, Patricia, as a farmer, I believe we need to reduce stocking rates of livestock on farms and reduce dramatically the amount of chemical fertiliser that we use. If we're serious about halting the decline in water quality, we had 500 pristine rivers 30 years ago in Ireland. That's down to about 20 now. Isn't that a shocking statistic? Just 30 years ago, 500 pristine rivers down to 20 now. We also need to look at the fact that spreading slurry in January is, sorry that's jumped at me, is utterly careless with most of it being washed into our rivers and streams and that comes in from uh, Frank and Councillor Declan Hurley in West Cork is listening to the programme and says Patricia, very interesting discussion on our rivers and stream water quality with the EPA this morning on your programme. Another discussion we need to have and more importantly we need to act upon is the abandonment of our rivers and streams. They are neglected beyond reason and action needs to happen. We're great to monitor our quality in this country, which is great, but maintenance should also go hand in hand and perhaps it may prevent homes and businesses getting flooded into the future and particularly during the coming winter months. Our rivers and streams are all silted up and capacity on our rivers need to improve. Kind regards and some Councillor Declan uh, Hurley. Thank you for that, uh, Declan. And actually, be the week before I uh, went out with my COVID, I had been speaking with the Fianna Fáil MEP, Billy Kelleher, and he had joined us to talk about that he was worried about farm families in Ireland being at risk from a failure if the current proposals of the European Commission to include small farms under the scope of the Industrial Emissions Directive was adopted. Well, I got in a really good piece of commentary from Sylvester that I just, I was due to get around to it last week and I didn't get around to it. So I think it's timely to bring it up here, particularly bearing in mind that comment that came in from Frank, who, who feels we need to reduce the stocking rates of our livestock. Sylvester writes to the programme saying, Patricia, who makes key discussions about agriculture in the 28 countries in Europe? Agricultural experts know that in order to reduce methane emissions from livestock, it's not necessary to kill the herd or otherwise reduce its numbers. You just have to go back to traditional breeding methods. It is the EU requirement that has led to this industrial litter-free farming where slurry becomes waste, which means that the admission of greenhouse gases reaches 21 kg per year. Animals that used to have straw-lined pigsties or barns emit less than 8 kg of gas per year. In addition, the resulting manure becomes a valuable source of fertiliser and the plants in the fields do not need to be destroyed 
with artificial fertilisers. Pseudo-ecological philosophy is the road to self-destruction, writes R. Sylvester. If the reduction of animals in Europe were to be of an ecological importance, the livestock population would have to be reduced worldwide. Our continent has only 5% of the world's livestock population. So, it is better for EU officials to do nothing instead of turning the world order upside down. If Europe does reduce the number of animals announced, it will then have to import meat and milk from the US, China, Brazil, Argentina and even Australia. It is possible that that soon we'll be having Chinese milk on our cereal for breakfast and for dinner. We'll be eating pork chops that have come all the way from Brazil. Agriculture should also switch to biogas production. And that's from one of our listeners, Sylvester. Thank you for that, Sylvester. And my apologies that I'm just late getting uh, to getting around to it. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking the calls. You can text her WhatsApp 086. C103 Jobs. Construction workers with machine tickets are wanted to work in Cork 021 2339120. A yard operative is required for Biogold Agri Limited. They're based in Kilavolum. CVs please to info at biogoldagri.ie. Hamilton French are looking for experienced semi skilled worker to help carpenters on an old house that's about to be revamped. Safe pass, manual handling, all have to be up to date. Telephone Anthony for more details on 086-048-5589. And food and beverage personnel are required for the Fergroff Hotel and Clongibbon House in Mitchellstown. Full and part-time positions are available. Email fergrovehotel at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. The organs of infants could still be sent abroad for incineration without the knowledge of their parents. That's unless the human tissue bill is enacted and enacted quickly. West Cork Fine Gael Senator Tim Lombard has raised the issue in the Senate last week and uh, Tim Lombard joins me. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. Uh, firstly, John Paul, I know you were just chatting to John Paul there um, off air before he was putting you through. You were at the, the, the match uh, yesterday. So in that atrocious weather uh, conditions, kudos to, to, to the teams for playing. It was atrocious weather, wasn't it? I thought the second half of the senior final was unbelievable. Like the weather conditions for last uh, 25 minutes in particular of the second half were unbelievable. And credit to both teams are continuing to play through it. It was a very entertaining match, but um, I've never seen um, a win and a rain come in like they were. Um, I was in the top deck of the stands. Otherwise, I'd have been drenched. It was just amazing. <laughs> amazing. And what was the drive home like? It, well, commuter stadium was very wet, so you had an awful lot of surface water, inches of water, so your feet were actually destroyed. But like, I went home through Douglas through that way. I stayed off the Douglas because I heard about it. It was mayhem. So, um, look, so it, it wasn't too bad, but I know there was people literally stuck in cars for hours on the South Link, getting around the flyover area. So it was just phenomenal. I've never in my life seen rain like this. Yeah, it was just yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, it, 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 it really was of biblical proportions. And no, um, thankfully, no reports of flooding in West Cork? 
No, no, absolutely. I'm actually in Bantry at the moment and no, absolutely perfect. Thank God, um, thank God. Because yeah, I, I did mention it at the start this morning, you know, when, when we were commiserating with the people in the city and, and the clean-up that they're doing uh, this morning, anyone from any of the towns across the county, God knows they've they've been there before. They know that day after that clean-up is just dreadful. Like I was here the day after the last major flood in Bantry there two and two and a half years ago in that August. Like I've never seen a town like Bantry devastated like yeah. it. And like that town just came together and put everything back together again in a matter of hours, matter of days. But like it is uh, an awful dilemma to be stuck in that Monday morning trying to clean up after the flood. So we frightened with that. And that's why it's so important. All those small businesses that we please, please, please do our bit to support them. Now, I want to talk to you about this human tissue bill. I'm told, Tim, that there are a number of challenges with the drafting of this uh, legislation. So can you explain when enacted what it would actually entail? Complex piece of legislation involves organ donation, involves many things. It also involves how post mortem happens and the actual rights of the actual person regarding who and what happens with that post mortem itself. And I think this piece of legislation goes back to the MAD report, which was published in 2006, which was an awful long time ago. Uh, it was actually commissioned by the then Minister, Minister Mary Harney, regarding how we're going to deal with these issues. Ever since the 20 recommendations of the Madden report have been talked about during many rocks all the way through, we've talked about bringing forward legislation. We haven't brought forward that legislation, and I realise it is a very, very complicated piece of legislation. But unfortunately, because of that loophole and because of the way things fall through cracks, we have no real legislation that comes down to the, the appropriate way of how course mortems happen in particular. And I think that's why I was raising this issue. I I was going at it on the line of we had a huge issue in the maternity hospital in Cork in 2020. I had family aunts with from West Cork who was so very, very badly affected by what, what happened to them. And what they're saying is what happened to them was terrible but we need to have the right legislation put in place so we never again see that. Yeah, and, and I remember um, at the time we spoke with some of the parents whose uh, babies' organs and tissues went for incineration. I mean, it happened in, in uh, 2020 and at the time it was all to do with COVID and there was the fear that there wouldn't be enough space in morgues because of uh, COVID. Nobody knew what way COVID was going to affect uh, the country. But it was utterly heartbreaking, Tim, to hear those stories from those families. You would never want anyone to have to go through what those families have had to go through? Oh God, no. It was shocking. Like I did several calls that time with a family who was very badly affected by it and it was the most distressing calls we ever did. Like we spent hours talking to some lovely people but literally totally left out, left down by how the state dealt with the scenario. They were hoping to have the remains of their baby uh, either buried in a plot in the CUH or else brought back to the actual plot, family plot in West Park and Manway. And they were absolutely shocked and horrified that, unfortunately, the remains of their baby was actually incinerated over in Belgium. And, like, it's the lack of protocol, it's the lack of legislation, it's the lack of oversight. All these issues made a scenario like that happen. And um, it's a really human story. It affects people at their core in so many ways. And, like, it just means that we just need to do as much as we can to make sure that this piece of legislation is brought forward. And we've been given promises after promises. I was having this issue 11 months ago in the channels. I was told by the, by the minister it would be all sorted. Legislation was published by the end of last year. Last year's come and gone and we still haven't the legislation published. And like, 
And, and I know it's complex and I know it's challenging, but I mean, as you mentioned yourself, it's hard to believe that this first piece of legislation was discussed by Mary Harney in, in 2006. And here we yeah. are in, in 2022 and we're still yeah. waiting for it to be passed. And I think that's the key issue, like the recommendations of this Madden report of, of 2006, which took a period of time to put together as well. So you actually could go back to 2004, really, when this actual thing all began. And like, to think that recommendations that nearly started nearly 20 years ago haven't been brought through and brought into law is a real issue for us. And if it's the human story behind this and the families that are affected, and like, there's no guarantee that this won't happen again tomorrow morning. I think that's a real fear that we have. We do not know what's going to happen in these maternity offices. We don't have legislation to cover it. And because of that, you could have a scenario, again, that in a scenario like this, which is really upsetting for people, that causes micro missing from organs might be actually generated in another country. And like these families that are mostly affected by this, they really are. Like, you know, this is yeah, and, and like, I remember at the time it was it went with other clinical waste, and it was yeah. just the wording was just it was horrendous. Okay, so when you raised it in in the Senate, what response did you get? Are, you, are we any closer to having this piece so, of legislation passed? So this is the third time I've raised it in the last twelve months, and I think bit by bit we're getting there. They've given me another assurance that this is going to be sorted by the end of the year office term. Um, and I look, we've written to the minister off the bat. 
because they need to digest it before it's published. Because they need to make sure that what's in it, that they're happy with, that they're at, that it's accurate. Because an awful lot of families are very, very concerned and very upset about the lack of communication. Talking to families last week again, literally four or five emails sent about the report, not answered. And they need to know where this report is because it's delayed by, by a considerable period of time. And this report is the start of them trying to get closure to a really tragic part of the period of life. Okay. All right. Listen, keep us posted on this one, uh, Tim. In the meantime, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, uh, West Cork Fine Gael Senator uh, Tim Lambert. And just by the way, I can see there's a couple of calls and texts coming in on this. And I don't know how widespread this issue is. This is to do with people who are living in council properties. It seems to be in the main people living in Cork County Council uh, properties. Uh, Joan was on to us. It's to do with an increase in rent. Joan says following a rent review they have just had notification from Cork County Council that her rent is to increase from €46 euro a week to €72.50 euro a week. That's just under €30 euro of an increase per week. Now, Joan says, we've had no change in circumstances since the last review. My husband is a pensioner. I'm his full-time carer. This is a massive increase to us. Talk about piling on the pressure when we're facing a long, hard uh, winter. And then somebody else was on by text on the Pat on the same issue uh, to say, I have a huge issue with Cork County Council raising our rent. It is outrageous. Pensioners didn't get a proper increase for years. We're now about to get an extra few bob shortly and lo and behold uh, the council are in for a grab of that. They they are a disgrace. It is a shame says uh, Pat. Now we're going to need to get on to the council. As I say I don't know how many other families have been affected by it but in particular I'd love to know the reason why Jones rent had increased. I, I mean, I know rent reviews go on and I know we often hear people complain when they get the council come on to them for a rent review and I'm always saying, look, that's the way, you know, the rents are based on the money that's coming into the house. So they, the council have, you know, have a duty to check that you know, situations haven't changed. Is there somebody else in the house who on the last rent review wasn't working, is now working, there's extra money coming into the house. So I can understand why rent reviews happen. But I'm scratching my head for Joan to say that nothing has changed her husband is a pensioner so he remains on his pension the pension and I'm assuming by that commentary that it's a state pension that Joan's husband is on so that only goes up according to what's given out in the budget etc she's a carer so her carer's allowance will remain the same and for it to go from 46 euro to 72 euro 50 that's per week as I say that's just under 30 euro a week of an increase from a household that's living on a pension and the carer's allowance that's a big big chunk of money and Joan is right everything else is going up at the moment we know that the government are doing their best with bit with the cost of living crisis trying to help people out but that to me looks like they're going to give with one hand and take it away with the other hand because any little bit of increase that Joan and her husband will be getting will be taken straight away from them if they have to come up with nearly an extra 30 euro 
per week on their rent. So we'll try and find out why that would actually happen. But in the meantime, let's just put it out there and see, have has it happened to other families where you've had a rent review? Now, whatever about of your situations the circumstances in your household has changed. The income coming into your household has changed. Therefore, you can absolutely point to why your rent has gone up. But I specifically want to hear from people who, like Joan, are saying nothing else has changed and yet the rent has gone up by. That's a big, big chunk when you're on a very, very limited budget. 0818 103 103. John Paul is taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Monthly insurance chat. Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance uh, joins me. Uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Uh, good morning, uh, Patricia. And you're welcome. And actually, there's some questions in. We might get to the questions uh, first. Uh, one listener, and this I was kind of surprised about, uh, <laughs> said, and actually, she earlier wanted me to ask Connor Faulkner about it, but um, uh, Connor's no longer with the uh, the AA. But anyway, she um, her, got her insurance renewal from her company. But when her insurance renewal came out, the no claims bonus cert wasn't with her insurance renewal. She ended up having to contact them before they eventually sent it out. She was of the belief that all companies must send that out at the time of the renewal. Isn't that the case? That is 100% correct. So she was right to get back onto them, but that was they were wrong to send out the renewal. They were were wrong. And what I would suggest to listeners, if this happens again, and I I come across it regularly, uh, I say to people, your your, your no claims bonus is attached to your renewal. And they go, well, it wasn't attached to the renewal I got from company X. I go, well, you know what? Now it's time to make a complaint because if the complaints aren't made, Mm. then we won't get this problem resolved. This was brought in to make it easier for your listeners to be able to shop around. Yeah, yeah. And you shop around because you have your no claims bonus. And then another listener has uh, has an issue where she had a problem with one of her eyes. Um, now, she went to the doctor and the doctor said she's OK to drive with this eye issue. She contacted her insurance company to say that there was a slight loss of sight in one eye. But her doctor had checked it and said she was OK to drive. But she's still worried about would she be covered if God forbid she was involved in an accident but she has contacted her insurance company with the letter from her GP Well she's done everything correct okay A she's gone to her doctor B she's got a a letter from her doctor to to state this and C she's informed her insurance company in which case that's all recorded yeah. Right. Yeah. But, and th- and that's what I would say to people as well. Keep a copy of all that as well. Who did you speak to? Because what I often get, Patricia, is oh, I spoke to a girl, yeah, and no. we're trying to, especially with a lot of people still working from home. That's impossible to check at times. So she's done everything correct. Yes. Uh, and when she's with her doctor the next time, re- re- you know, get reassurance again yeah. on, 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 on the eye test. OK, but, w- but, but well done. She was proactive in getting the letter Very from the doctor. She and did the right thing. OK, we're going to start with uh, car insurance. And firstly, uh, vehicle theft, I believe, is on the increase. We haven't... Well, I'm not sure when you'll have your Garda report on, but I'm reading it, reading about it daily and I'm getting reports back from all over the country that car, car theft... Well, we all know about it in... in, in with the, Dublin City, we've seen a lot of, of reports on that. And I think I said the last time, Japanese imports in particular are very, very easy to steal. And therefore, they're the number one uh, target of the 
people, you know, there's people who want to go joyriding and all that. Very easy on them. But I'm, I'm also told that they now have got sophisticated electronics whereby if they stand close to you when you're opening your door in the shopping centre or whatever, they can actually copy your code onto their modification and therefore then they basically have a spare key to your car. This is unbelievable stuff, but this is what I'm hearing. Okay, so, and then, and what what sometimes comes up on our uh, guard uh, slot, uh, people who um, leave the keys in the car. No, no, that's an absolute yeah. no, no. Never leave the keys in the car, in the glove compartment. Uh, you know, people, I've said this before, people uh, jumping out of the car, leaving the keys in the car and they're in the petrol station or the supermarket or running into the post office or whatever it may be. And, and the old favourite one, I left it on the front wheel, up in the top of the front wheel for yeah, you. Everybody, everybody no, knows that please, hiding no, space. No, yeah. the insurance companies will not pay out under those circumstances. And we're coming into, uh, hopefully it won't be too cold a winter, but in the morning, people will go out and, you know, de-icing their car and yep. they turn on the engine, the uh, idling, I think it's called, isn't it? Leaving, the, leaving yep. the engine running, which, by the way, can say bad for the environment. Um, we've seen, uh, like, opportunistic theft. Somebody will spot that that car is running, the keys are in it, and will just drive off in your car out of your driveway. Well, as I always say, the thief has not gone away. They're out there, the criminals. They're watching everything. They're watching what we're doing. And they know if you have a habit of doing this, you're a prime target. You're an easy... You have the keys in the ignition. uh, And even the new electronic cars know the key doesn't have to be in the ignition. uh, But the car, at least when the car stops, the engine cuts out. But... You know, just get your de-icer, your tin of de-icer, please, or the old way we used to do it. We the kettle of water. We'd the coat, the old coat up in the windscreen, Ah. and we'd them up in the engine as well. Just sometimes we forgot to take them out, but anyway, you know... um, uh, don't run the engine. Yeah, just don't make it easy. Just don't make it easy. Don't make it easy. Okay, um... It came up on the programme a couple of weeks ago about somebody having a the exhaust modified in their car and of yes. course the discussion came up where do you stand when it comes to the insurance. Talk to me about vehicle modifications. Well, first of all, vehicle modifications must be notified no matter what they are. And I'm having arguments with people over this. Uh, we had, uh, I came across, thankfully he wasn't insured me because I, I wouldn't know how to explain this, but he got a stainless steel exhaust seemingly fitted to his car. It wasn't, and I want to emphasize this, it wasn't performance enhancing. But according to the insurance company that he was with, it didn't have to be. And they declined his claim. And actually worse than that, they cancelled his policy. So I'm trying to give some advice to those people at the moment as to how to handle it and I believe we'll have solicitors involved trying to get this policy reinstated for him. Okay, so, so you don't any, want to go there. No, uh, so any modification, contact um, your company. Uh, problems now with NCT uh, reservations yeah. and I can put my hand up and say I'm caught in this because I had an NCT booked months ago and it was for last Saturday. Unfortunately, dreaded COVID arrived in my household so I had to cancel my NCT. The next available date for me is March of 2023. It's crazy. Well, you're, you're a prime example. I'm, I'm getting this every day. And by the way, I'm getting it on the vans as well. So what I'm saying to people is make your new booking, get your booking confirmation, print it out and put it up on the dash, up on the windscreen where the traffic warden here in the city or the Garda or the traffic warden in the towns as well 
Well, when he comes along, he'll say, oh, the, is, is that out? No, that's nothing to do with me. Or does it look at the letter up there? It's fine, drive on. Or if you're stopped at a checkpoint. And there will be a lot of stopping at checkpoints between here and the new year. So I'm advising everybody. And don't fold it up. I saw one the other day, fold it up inside out. I said, sure, how can the guard read that, lads? Yeah, yeah. Show, show that the show, date is on you, it. You've done it. You've done as much as you can. The NCT or the, the, the NCV cannot do you until March, then put it up in your windscreen and but make sure it's visible. But the one thing for going for your NCT, at least when you drive away, when you've passed, you know that your car is roadworthy. While you're waiting for that NCT, and I suppose it's a word of warning for everyone heading into the winter, we all need to check our cars to make sure that they are roadworthy. Well, that's it. And you, we, get, we get varying theories on this is what the people should do. But I mean... Don't, like, I mean, for example, and you're a prime example now, Patricia, your car is not going to be NCT'd until March. That doesn't mean it's fine until March. Hopefully it is. But check everything. Get your, you can go into the tyre companies. They will check your tyres for you. In fairness to them, the the independent tyre companies around the place are all very good, especially in all the towns. Uh, in, 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 in Cork so they'll check your tyres they'll tell you exactly look you've your back left hand one may need to go in another couple of weeks or do you know what we'll do it now or whatever so get the tyres the tyres at this time of the year are number one you saw yesterday with all the water we had in, uh, can mm. you imagine if you had bad tyres yesterday not, not, a, not a good performers the same with I think with the with the wipers check your wipers it's very easy clean your wipers a bit of vinegar uh, a bit of white spirit or something like that, or a bit of methylated spirits, and with with a, a napkin and clean your 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 the blade. Or pull back your wiper, clear the blade, and see is that good enough. If there's cracks or anything on it, Jacobs, replace them, please. So yeah. the, the visibility and what's killing me of late, especially now the, the nights are pulling in, uh, and the mornings as well. That put your lights on. Please yeah, actually, when I'm listening to Ken Tobin, our breakfast presenter in the morning, uh, and I come in after, after Ken into the studio and I can see some of the text messages that have come in from the amount of people that would be texting in to Ken saying, will you give a shout out on the radio to tell people to light up, you know, if there was a foggy morning or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's unreal the way people don't think about it. They don't, and I think, to be fair, they come out of street lights or something like that where, where it looks okay, and they think, Asher, it's, it's not a great morning, that that's the bad light anyway. But you can't be seen. That's the biggest problem. Put on your lights. You can't be seen. Whatever about you seeing, others need to see you as well. And, and with all the trucks, uh, heavy vehicles on, on the road these mornings, please put on. Light up. Be seen. Be be, be seen. Okay, here's a question from Frank. It's to do with car insurance, but it's to do with child minding as well. If you're minding children and part of the job is to collect the children from uh, school, but you're doing it in your own vehicle, are you insured or do you need to notify your insurance company that you're going to be carrying children every day after school, but they're not your own children? The vast majority of of, um, motor insurers will cover that free of charge. But for peace of mind, ask the question don't assume that it's covered. Okay, because there are there are other things involved in this that we can't go into because we don't know the specific case. How many children are involved? Whose children are there? Are there six children? Do you know what I mean? Are, are you really supposed to be minding children? Etc, etc. So as long as it's, the, my golden rule is if it's not for profit, you're just dropping them off for a neighbour. Well, no, this is this is part of the job. They're childminders. See, this is why I'm highlighting it. Every si- 
every case can be different. If it's part of the job, I'd have that checked out because it may well be that if you're, because you could be seen as being charging for that facility, in which case it's, it's higher or reward and that insurance company, your insurance company, would need to be notified just to make sure if anything happens that those kids are covered. Yeah, and I think, I don't know what it is. Are people fearful? It's a little bit like revenue. They're fearful of running up the insurance company and giving them the additional piece of information in case it's going to cost them more. Is, is that where the problem is? That is where the problem is. There's no doubt about it, Patricia. But what I would say to you is that most brokers and all McCarthy's offices, we're willing to have that chat with you, no problem, and just give you a small bit of advice. I was talking to active retirement groups in Formoy recently, and I gave them that advice, Let's. The phone is there. Pick it up. Have a little chat. There's, there's no one compelling you to do anything. We will, we're, we are advisors. We are there to advise you what to do. Yeah, because you don't want something to go wrong and then you discover, oh, well, I didn't tell them that or, oh, I'm not covered for that. Absolutely. And I came across it there. What I found very enlightening there with the, the, the active retirement group and for my... Uh, was that they were asked, uh, after a few minutes, they started to ask the questions, and I was able to gauge, they're the same questions that we get in here every week, Patricia, in relation to, is if I, if I give the car to my nephew, if I give them a car to my, are they covered? Well, you have to examine it. Are they covered? Yeah. On whose policy are they covered? Is it your policy? Oh, no, I got rid of my open driving. Well, then they're not covered. Have I protected bonus? What happens if I have a claim? All these type of things. Just ask the question. We're willing to answer it. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, we we won't get to home insurance uh, today. Uh, We will next month. But in the meantime, Paul, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance. And actually just on car insurance, wouldn't you feel sorry for this listener? says, my car was written off when it was parked. It was written off by an insured named driver. But the owner of the car claims that the partner stole it. By the way, they were living in the same house. Due to that, their insurance company will not now uh, pay out. Well, I now have to go through the IMIB to try to get the value of the car. Crazy. Oh my God, my heart goes out to you. That really is a shocking situation uh, to find yourself in. Thank you for your text. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, when I was congratulating people who had done well in various hurling matches uh, yesterday, somebody says, Patricia, what about the Finnegan family from Mallow last night on Ireland's fittest family there with this, their second time taking part, uh, but it's the twins, Lauren and Sarah. Oh my God, they're 14. They were unbelievable. They were the stars of the show last night uh, for sure. And they are now with Donica. I think they were with Davy Fitz the last time, the Finnegan family, family from Mallow was in Ireland's Fishes family but anyway they got through last night for Donica and it was a sigh of relief for Donica because he hasn't had he hasn't the first two weeks he hasn't had any families get through so he was beginning to worry and poor Nina Carberry still has to have a family uh, get through so well done to the Finnegan family from Mallow don't know if we any other Cork representatives in Ireland's Fishes family this year I, I don't know if it's just me I absolutely adore that programme and the shouting and the roaring that was going on I had um, the hobby telling me to calm myself down last night I, was, <laughs> I got so excited watching it particularly that end part when they do the eliminator and when you have to try and get up that onto the, that ledge that oh my god it's just 
unreal what those families put themselves uh, through. So well done. And thank you to whoever that was who sent in that text. I should have mentioned the Finnegans at the start of the programme. Congratulations to them. Now, I, I don't know is the simple answer to this, but maybe somebody listening does know. Mike in Bantry wants to know, is Charlie Bird signing his book Climb with Charlie in Waterstones in Cork City this week? I have asked John Paul to see if he can check it as well. We certainly haven't had notification. I don't know if he's doing book signing uh, or not, but we'll try and find out here. Or maybe somebody listening knows if Charlie Bird is coming to Cork to Waterstones to sign copies of his book Climb with Charlie. And actually talking of books, because I had mentioned this um, last Friday week before little did I realise that last week I'd be out with COVID um, that I was hoping I was planning to speak with the wonderful Alice Taylor on the show on Monday but obviously when I got struck down with COVID we had to postpone Alice and her new book called The Nana which is absolutely fantastic uh, we're hoping to reschedule Alice for later on this week and I'll let you know when I'm leaving it with uh, John Paul and Alice to set up a time that uh, that suits Alice but we'll hopefully have her on someday this week because I really want to chat with her about her book because I think all of us have some kind of lovely memories about our own nanas, our grandmothers, our grannies, our nannies, our grandma. Whatever you're having yourself, we all have so many different names for our much-loved grandmothers and that's what her latest book is all about. So I promise we will uh, get around uh, to that. We were talking about NCTs in the last hour. Well, we touched on it when we were talking about car insurance with Paul uh, Kavanagh. And last week, I know John Paul did a piece on NCTs as well and the problems that people are having trying to access an NCT and I had an NCT booked for last Saturday and because of COVID couldn't bring my car along to the NCT centre because that would have been totally irresponsible of me so when I realised what was going down I cancelled the appointment so that it would become available for somebody else and then I went to try and get another appointment and the first available appointment for me or the next available appointment is March of next year so now I have to wait until March of next year even though I will try and keep checking I know if you keep going on to the site and checking you know um Uh, one may become available sooner because I don't like the idea of driving around without an up-to-date NCT but it's kind of out of my hands at the moment. But we're being told that the Gardaí are aware that there are delays with the NCT and if you get stopped, once you can prove that you have an NCT appointment and, you know, it's not your fault that you haven't been able to get an NCT in time, you will be okay. Well, lo and behold, I got a text in from a listener on the NCT issue to say, I am currently, says this listener, appealing a fine and points on my licence. Why? Because I didn't have an up-to-date NCT. Despite telling the guard that it stopped me that I went to book in April, but the next available date wasn't until September. I had emails and texts to prove all of this, but sorry, it was no good. He still went ahead with fining and I also got points on my licence. I am now awaiting the decision. This really does need clarification. Why are we being punished when it really wasn't uh, our fault? And John Paul says when he carried, when he did the interview about the NCT and the delays with them last week, he said there was he a similar story came in. I don't know if it was the, from the same listener uh, or not. And we do know from the Gardaí, it's at the discretion of the Gardaí. And I would say 99.9% of Gardaí are going to be understanding. And particularly when you can prove, look, I have a test booked, couldn't get one any sooner. And they will wave you on. 
but it is at the discretion of the Gardaí and, and I'm not saying that you're going to meet a Gardaí who's just having a bad day and he's deciding to hand out points and fines but you're right to appeal and let us know how you get on with that appeal because it certainly wasn't your fault you had an NCT uh, booked it's just it's horrible horrible to think that that can happen to you with a fine and with points on your licence as well so uh, please God that the appeal will go through in your favour but, but do please uh, let us know and still also getting some calls and texts in about the council increasing the rent it does seem to be across the board Hi Patricia I rang the council on Friday because my rent has also increased as some of your listeners are telling you about uh, this morning my, the situation in our house from a financial point of view hasn't changed yet my rent has gone up the reply I got from the lady who rechecked to make sure that the amount was correct she came back and said yes unfortunately your rent has gone up and this is the new figure you're going to have to pay for your rent she pointed out that the rents weren't reviewed since 2017 and that seems to be the problem the fact that the council haven't done rent reviews since 2017 because of that because they haven't done them for five years that's why people now even though financially the situation hasn't uh, changed but the council have decided that rents should should have gone up during the course of that five years and so that's why so do I take it from that that everyone who's getting a rent review is therefore going to see an increase in their uh, rent which as some people are pointing out it's uh, a difficult enough time isn't it for people at the moment people are really really stretched at the moment I mean Margaret was on to say everything seems to be going up at the moment has anybody else noticed that milk has gone up another 30 cent is that a litre or a carton I'm not sure and the carton of soup that Margaret regularly buys has gone up by 24 cents and certainly when you're doing your shopping you're going to notice that everything has gone up in price and now suddenly if you're in rental accommodation from the council and you've had a rent review your rent is going to go up as well and Margaret, thank you Margaret, is also pointing out that Charlie is doing book signing in Waterstones and Margaret thinks it's next Saturday okay, we'll get a definite confirmation on that thank you, thank you for pointing that out to us. Now other texts coming into us uh, this morning oh, this is one that I want to give a mention to because I love giving credit where credit is due, we're always so good when things are bad to point out bad service and you know and rightly so uh, as well but when somebody when, when you get really good service, it is good to point it out. And here's somebody sending in a lovely text about the great staff at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. Hi, Patricia. Happy Monday to you. Just want you, please, to give a big shout out to all of the staff at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. Especially, now I don't know if this is autocorrect or if this is, it's SPAH Spa. I don't know if that's how you pronounce the... It's the person on reception anyway in the Celtic Grass. I don't know, was it meant to be Sarah? Was it meant to be something else? And you know the way with predictive text, something else comes up. Anyway, the receptionist of the Celtic Grass and a lady called Patricia who works in the restaurant. This texter says, I stayed there with a friend of mine over the weekend and everything was just lovely. We had a lovely room with a view of the estuary. We had dinner in the restaurant and we had breakfast with a table by the window. We also got to use the uh, leisure centre. It was a fabulous weekend. So thank you to one and all at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Garbury. All please take a bow. 0818-103-103 John Paul taking your calls and then somebody was on about the living alone allowance and the fuel allowance is it being paid out this uh, week. Uh, it's okay. I'm assuming that this is on the uh, the increases. It isn't the one-off payments. The additional payment for the living alone, loan and the fuel allowance will not be paid out 
until November. What I can tell you, almost one and a half million people will receive the autumn double social welfare payment this week. And of course, this is all part of the government trying to ease the pressure of the cost of living. This is the first of eight lump sum payments that will be paid out between now and Christmas. The Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, said the payments will target people who are most seriously impacted by the cost of living. The lump sums announced are part of what is the largest ever social protection budget in the history of the state and it will assist pensioners, carers, people with disabilities and families on low income. Almost 30 groups of people will receive this week's double payment. It will cost the Exchequer 316 million euro. The largest group to benefit this week will be our pensioners. Almost 590,000 pensioners will receive a double payment this week. 182,000 on job seekers they'll also get a double payment. Others to receive this, this is the autumn payment. Uh, one parent families will get a double week as will guardians and those who are part of the rural social scheme. Now, following this week's double payment, then there is a €400 Euro lump sum to be paid to people in receipt of fuel allowance but that was the one we were getting questions in. That €400 Euro doesn't come in until November. Also next month, €200 Euro payment to those who are on a living alone allowance. There will also in November be a double payment of child benefit that gets paid out the first week in November, as well as an additional €500 Euro to those in receipt of carers support grant. People who receive a disability allowance, they also get the €500. Euro. That doesn't kick in until November. The eight planned payments over the next two and a half months will cost in total 1.2 billion. And as part of the cost of living measures, of course, announced in the budget, the fuel allowance scheme that also gets extended. They reckon about an extra 81,000 households will come in under the new rules for the fuel allowance. But remember, that doesn't come in until January of 2023. And then, of course, across the board, welfare increases. 12 euro per week. They also come into effect in January of next uh, year. And last week, householders were told that they may have to wait until December to get the first of the 200 euro energy credits. This is for our electricity promised by the government. It was Michael McGrath, Public Expenditure Minister, last week said the credits will be applied to households in November and December, but no dates have been finalised yet. Michael McGrath added that due to financial volatility internationally, the government may actually uh, would keep the matter under review with a capacity for further intervention if needed. So that's kind of indicating that while the government have said €600 Euro in total will be given out to every household when it comes to the electricity uh, Credits the first one as 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 they sometime before Christmas, but it mightn't be November. It might be December for some people. Now it'll be two in the new year, but they may look to give more as we go into next year because of what's happening worldwide, internationally in the financial volatility. And then we've had an email in from Michael to say, Hi Patricia, I'm paying my phone and broadband bill in stages. I have been doing it over the past two months. I received my latest bill by email last month. There is a late payment fee of €18.45, even though the balance on the account is only 10 euro. So much for these companies looking compassionately on their customers. Isn't that dreadful? 
you know, to have gone to the company and said, look, I'm struggling, not going to be able to pay it off in one lump sum. And they say, OK, we'll let you do it in stage payments. And you think, aren't they great? Well done to the company. But then the sting in the tail was an late payment fee of 1845. Uh, I mean, is that really, really necessary? Particularly when the balance on the bill, he, Michael had it down to uh, just 10 euro. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Now I do have one cancellation to start with and this is the Seamus Morn play entitled and Mick. It was due to be held in the Mal Arts Centre in Yall this Wednesday and that's been postponed until further notice. Clonakilty Charity Ball will be held in Dunmore House Hotel in Clonakilty on Saturday the 19th of November. Proceeds going to Clonakilty Playground Fund. Tickets are available to promo ticks and they're also available on clonakilty.ie forward slash events. Duke's Clonakilty are holding a special commemorative event for the centenary anniversaries of the sad and tragic deaths of Sean Hales and Dick Barrett. The event takes place Friday the 18th of November at Clonakilty GAA Complex. And a one-act drama festival will run from Thursday the 18th to Friday the 21st of October at 8pm nightly at the Glen at the Glen Theatre in Bantir with groups from Balancholic, Cod Bolin, Carrie Navarre, the Palace Players, Gunpowder, Blue Hat Drama Group and the Glen Theatre Drama Group and the adjudicator is Helen Hallisey. And Shambhalimore bingo has been cancelled for tomorrow night due to a local bereavement and the Golden Hour social morning for next, men- next Wednesday also cancelled due to that local bereavement in Shambhalimore. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Just on NCT, Shea by text saying, Patricia, um, I was booking my NCT and, like me, couldn't get a place. So I called the RSA to know where would I stand if I was stopped by the Gardaí. The lady in the RSA said, ring the NCT centre and you'll get a date sooner. And I did that and I got one within two weeks of my call. Best of luck to all, says uh, Shay. If people want to ring the NCT centre, we don't want them swamped now this afternoon, but ring over the coming days and see if they have an available date that they will be able to uh, give you. Somebody said, you mentioned Alice Taylor's uh, book Brilliant. Please let me know at the start of your programme the day she's going to be on. John Paul tells me he has her. Where's it gone? He has a booked in. She's going to be joining us on Friday after 11 on Friday. That's something to look forward to uh, at the end of the week. So uh, this Friday we will be speaking with Alice. And talking of books, the Charlie Bird is signing his book in Waterstones. This is the climb with Charlie book. Waterstones this Saturday and he's there from midday. That's in this city. Waterstones in the city. Best of luck to Charlie on that. On rent increases, an email in and we are endeavouring and just talking to John Paul there, He's we're trying to get somebody on from uh, the council to talk about these rent increases. Listen to this one. I'm living in a council house in County Cork. I received a letter from the council last Friday to tell me my rent is going from €96 Euro a week to €140 Euro a week. That will amount to €606 Euro a month or across the year €7,280. Euro. I am a working 
working single parent with a dependent in college. My child, by the way, didn't qualify for maintenance uh, grant, so doesn't have any money to live on. I'm trying to subsidise him through his college education to ensure he will continue. This is a huge, huge strain on our family. We are in the middle of a cost of living crisis, so I just can't understand how the council could cut up my rent by 50%. The rent they want me to pay almost equates to a uh, mortgage. Uh, Could you ask uh, your listeners for advice, please? Well, then what we're hearing from our listeners is similar stories. So we're endeavouring to try to get somebody on from the council uh, just to, if we can just find out exactly why so many of the rents seem to be going up by, you know, it's not just going up by a five or a week. That's a huge jump. That's a jump of 44 euro a week. With somebody else was just under 30 euro a week. They're big, big uh, increases for people that are on a very, very fixed income. 0818103103. Now, earlier uh, this morning, I started the programme by speaking with our news reporter, Maureen Tuwik, who was talking to us about what was happening with the clean-up in the city and the flooding impact for yesterday. And actually, she took time out because she said she was right down there where the flooding had occurred yesterday. And she was on Douglas uh, Street chatting to some of the traders who had been impacted by the flooding yesterday. And she sent us on a uh, report. She spoke with uh, Justin Looney of the Cork Flower Studio. And she also spoke with Kay O'Donovan, who is the bar manager at uh, at Nana's. Helping with good advice on energy efficiency support. Oh, sorry, like that's so. not it. That's the wrong one. Uh, this is the one that I want. Well, we have the doors closed this morning and uh, we're still taking orders over the phone and working away. Um, but it's just a big clean up at the moment. So I suppose it's not really uh, suitable for... <laughs> I hear your electricity went as well. So our electricity went as well. There's a good few. Um, we're trying to figure out what was tripping the, the trip switch earlier. But um, anyway, we've isolated that now. So we're pretty much back up. Like we'll, we're fairly resilient and we have a good old team. As you can see there, everybody's um, mucking in. So literally. <laughs> and I suppose this came out of the blue, didn't it? Um, it did. This, the street is kind of a, one that has flooded in the past. Um, we do have flood barriers. I mean, it's the perfect time to, to realise that flood barriers actually don't keep the water out that the water comes up through the drains so the idea of building walls around there really makes absolutely zero sense you know it's it's, it's going to come from underneath we're built on a marsh and I think going forward we just have to work with it so in the shop I think we'll just maybe change our flooring and just build it so that it's flood friendly as opposed to flood proof um, let the water come in and keep everything up at a certain height off the ground and just hope for the best. And is this the first time the shop's been flooded? Uh, no, we've had a couple of instances in the past. It's been summer flooding before. Unfortunately, it's the drains that are out on the street that are blocked and aren't maintained regularly. We get, we're in touch with a few of the neighbours. It's much worse for the neighbours who are living on the street. You know, we get to go home at the end of the day and have a nice hot shower. They're living in it. So we've been in touch with them about maybe starting a bit of a WhatsApp group for, for flood alerts and that we can all chip in with sandbags and that kind of thing when it does happen. One of the big problems on um, one of the big problems yesterday with particularly the businesses opposite us who never get flooded was the big cars going through the flood drove the water directly in their doors and I don't think people have any concept of you know when you're in your car you're just trying to get home 
get from get to one place. Um, but unfortunately, no. You need to just be aware that the, the door the, or that the, the the road needs to be closed off, and that you know people need to deal with an emergency situation as it unfolds, and then everybody else has to work around that. So, and were you here yesterday when it happened? Unfortunately, I was. I think it would have been better off just coming in and seeing the wet floor. When I was here yesterday, it started pouring in, and it was the most terrifying thing because I didn't know when it was going to stop. Uh, it actually stopped at about maybe three or four inches, which wasn't too bad. But just at the time, I had no idea what was going to happen. And it was getting so deep outside. There was kegs floating down the road outside the window. Um, our flower, one of the cars that drove through sent such a wave that our flower boxes outside the door just like swam off down the street. So um, just, a, just a bit kind of, yeah, hard to watch when you're here. So nearly better off to come into it afterwards and just deal with the aftermath <laughs> and uh, you see you're still taking online orders today when's the plan yeah. to have the shop reopened we'll, we'll be back open tomorrow definitely yeah yeah so we're flying now we've split half the team are at the back working forward and we're at the front working back so we just need to disinfect everything bleach it clean it we got all our stock off the floor yesterday so really it's just structural stuff it was just it was good day no actually in fairness I know it was bad flooding things but it was just mad and the car's flying up and down the road the place just got destroyed barrels we had to chase our barrels down the road and from Collins next door their kegs were coming down and things so it was just it was mad and like as I said shoot the it was a four by four he just came full speed down the whole lot that came into the whole lot of the bar destroying it so it's just as you can see it's just horrible smelling and everything. And what's the clean-up operation? I suppose, like, are you going to have to replace the floor? Or do you think you'll get away uh, with that? No, I think we'll get away with the floor and things because we were kind of keep trying to keep up on top of it yesterday, you know. And uh, it's just it's just more clean-up and hopefully no damage, but we won't know until it dries, you know, probably because whether it'll work or not, hopefully it won't. But it's just wait until it dries. That's all, really. You know, it's just do as much as we can other than that and to be here I suppose watching it coming in like that must have been really frustrating oh it was because we were just we couldn't do nothing not a bit do you know and then the, the fire brigade there was a man came down gave us bags and things but like even at that shit, the place was soaked and we closed the doors to try and keep it up but sure it was still coming in the bits and things that it was just it was never happened before I've never seen it happen before but yeah it's just it's the smell it's the whole and one of the barmen from Paddy the Farmers came over. He came in his bare feet, got us here. And so he was carrying people, everything, as you see now, I suppose. But, um, like, he helped a lot now and everything, in fairness, you know, and things. And so we just did what we had to do at the end of the day. And so, did you have customers here when it was happening? Oh, we had, we had a couple of customers, but the George next door and things, so we were handing out pints just because they were looking at it. So it's all a bit of a laugh as well, but, like, it's the whole clean-up thing isn't such a laugh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And will he be open later again now or what's the plan? We'll have to wait and see now because it's probably storage as well. Do you know, a mixture of everything. So, like, for our customers and us, the smell and things like that, we'd like that. We'll be mopping more there now in a minute because, like, even when you mop, it doesn't look as if it mops. Do you know what I mean? But, like, we'll just have to wait and see as the day go on and see like that, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And you're saying never before have you seen anything like no, it here? No, no, and my, my boss uh, is away, and, uh, but he said it, it was never that bad. It's just, if you just see the water rippling in, and it was, you're just standing, soaked, 
squidgy feet, everything, everything is just <laughs> fire over there and everything. So we were by the fire trying to heat ourselves. <laughs> Ah, could your heart go out? <laughs> she's got, but she's jolly in the cleanup. So well done. Thank you to Armory Tuick, uh, chatting to Justin Looney of the Cork Flower Studio and Kay Donovan, the manager at uh, Nana's. And hopefully they, they clean up well underway at this stage and they're all back to normal or getting back to normal and back to uh, business as it should be on a Monday. Some of, quickly, just some of your texts in regarding NCT appointments. If you go online after midnight, says this texter, you will often get an appointment with in a few days in my own case I went online after midnight on a Monday and I got a test for the following Thursday well done thank you for that can you tax your car while awaiting your NCT yes you uh, can also in um, NCT if I can find it here um, hi Patricia I rang my NCT centre and, and brought forward the next available date there is a waiting list you go on but it is worth a try good luck to everybody trying to get their NCT uh, I'll be doing the same thing. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. Would you give a mention to Ansgrove Gardens? They're on Nationwide on RT1 at 7 o'clock uh, tonight. That's from Mary. Thank you for that. Ansgrove Gardens is fab. If you've never been there, tune into Nationwide tonight and you'll get to see uh, what it's all about. Hi, Patricia. Would you give a quick mention to Bingo's on in Butterfield tonight, 8 o'clock with a jackpot, €5,800 in-house lotto, mini jackpot, 50-50 all to play for doors open at half past seven everybody very welcome and thank you to the listener who spent the wonderful weekend in the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Garbury to say that the receptionist's surname is pronounced as spa it's spelled S-P-A-H I thought it was you know predictive text and all of that and she was absolutely wonderful as the receptionist at the Celtic Ross along with all of the staff there thank you for that okay quick break and we're back with Annalise Dressel answering all of your nutritional questions if you have a nutritional question get it in to us uh, please you can call John Paul 0818 103 103 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie this is the Court today replay on C103 and Annelise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to Annelise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And I'm back on the source of life gold after my COVID outburst uh, last, last week. Uh, second time uh, getting it. Um, and I don't know, it, but it was because we all got it again, the three of us in, in the household. I'm starting to hear more and more people getting it. Is there, I mean, is this the start of another wave? Well, I'm sure it is. Patricia, like the flu in the winter time, we become a lot more susceptible to um, all of these in the winter. Also, kids are back in school. Um, so, you know, germs are being passed around. Kids are back in college. People are back at work, out. So, like, COVID is going to be like the flu now. Yeah. There'll be a new variation every year and we'll have to deal with that. I actually read an interesting um, study this morning about actually using a saline nasal wash um, once you get COVID. If you use a saline wash, you are almost 100% less likely to end up sick or in hospital than somebody who doesn't. So washing out the germs out of your nose is a big one. And really, so that gives us the key to preventing it as well, Patricia, because if it can't get into your nose, um, it's not going to be as easy for it to multiply. So I'd suggest everybody wears a mask on public transport. Um, if you're going to see a concert, if you're going to sit in the cinema, like, don't let COVID stop you doing all of these fun things because I've seen more mental health mm. fallout since COVID than I have 
I think people prefer to get COVID rather than the mental health issues. Yeah, that's came it. Along and with and certainly we weren't as sick as we were the first time round. And the vaccines and the boosters and they're, they're all doing uh, they're all doing their, their their thing. It's just it's it's starting to it's the having to isolate for the seven days is just a bit yeah. of a well. That's I, why you don't want to get it if you can avoid no, it. No, absolutely. I suppose, Patricia. When I got COVID, though, I loved, I loved it because I cleaned all the cupboards out in my house. It was the first time I had seven days where I, I didn't have to or couldn't be anywhere. So, um, yeah, but I can see for parents and having to try and get kids minded and to school and otherwise, it'll be very, very difficult. So prevention is key. Make sure you're taking your vitamin D. I'd say maybe suggest start now. Take your vitamin C and zinc. If, um, you know, if you're going into a public place, make sure you're keeping your hands clean. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask in very crowded areas. And then if you do feel something coming on, use a nasal rinse. I mean, you could do it every day anyway. Mm. Um, it certainly would help. It'll help with coughs and colds and it'll help with the flu just as it'll help prevent against COVID. So really prevention is key. And low vitamin D levels across the board and so many studies have been shown to be linked with um, either getting COVID or getting a worse Dose of COVID, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Straight into questions. Um, hi, um, question for Annalise, please. Uh, this listener says, I, wor- I wake at 2 a.m. every uh, night. I wake as if I have slept enough, even though I'd have only have had about two hours sleep. No more detail than that. It's kind of the witching hour, Patricia. Actually, two is a bit early. Normally, it's three or four o'clock. If people are stressed or upset or grieving or anything like that, it's always... I think it's like the witching hour. Three or four o'clock, people wake up and it's like, bing, the mind starts straight away and you start going over things that you have to do the next day. You feel wild awake. So really what's happening is that you're getting a rush of a cortisol and adrenaline, which is, are the stress hormones, and they're helping you wake up, which is what cortisol normally does at 7 a.m. in the morning or 8 a.m. in the morning in healthy, you know, normal circumstances. So if if you're worried about something, maybe taking something before you go to bed just to kind of calm the busy body, busy brain. So things that are good for that are magnesium bicalycinate is a very good one. Also valerian, a lot of people would find very good for getting a good sleep. And you could take it when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning again um, if, if you still woke up. And really it's just about trying to break the cycle. Um, we sell a lot of one called NHP Advanced sleep support and we get great feedback on that Um, and if you're stressed throughout the day maybe taking a stress support like ashwagandha or rhodiola might be good if you're going through a particularly busy not even mentally stressed but just a physically busy stressful time in your life that can keep you awake so those herbs are great to get you through those times and the last thing I'd suggest is have a small snack before you go to bed because if your blood pressure if your blood sugar drops your body does have to release cortisol to keep it up throughout the night when we're not eating. Because if you think about it, you generally haven't eaten from maybe 7 o'clock until maybe 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. So your your cortisol manages your blood sugar while you're um, asleep. So if you're waking up and your cortisol is raised, maybe having a small snack, taking the pressure off the body to have to balance blood sugar. has to, can be very small, Patricia, maybe a yogurt as well. That's great for our glass of warm milk or hot chocolate before going to bed. These all have lots of other things in there that can help you sleep too. And um, 
uh, maybe just even just a cracker and cheese, something like that. Okay, stay on sleep uh, issues. This is assigned a very exhausted uh, mother. Question for Annalise. My little boy is eight. He has a severe intellectual disability. He will not sleep a full night. He can be up most nights between 3 and 4 a.m. and then won't sleep again until the following night. We've tried lots of medications, all to no avail. Could Annalise recommend anything, please, from an exhausted mother? That's hard. That's hard. Very difficult. Oh, it's very difficult because um, generally kids have plenty of energy then throughout the day. So parents are the ones that are struggling to keep up throughout the day as well. So there is a couple of things that might be worth trying. Um, L-theanine is a nice one for kids to help them relax and calm and it's very safe. It's just an amino acid so it's broken down like a protein if it's not used in the brain. So you could try um, starting at about 9 o'clock start with maybe 100 milligrams of L-theanine and then give another 100 just before bed and then if the child wakes again you could do another 100 milligrams on waking. So I'd get the lower dose when I think um, Higher Nature have got um, 100 milligrams per capsule dose. Um, that's definitely worth a try. Another thing that can be very good for calming as well is cannabis oil, CBD oil it's also called. Now this has no THC which is the hallucinatory bit in it. It just has the other kind of cannabinoids and these bind onto the receptors that are responsible for kind of calm, focus, relax. So that could be another thing worth trying, very safe for children as well. And then the magnesium glycinate can help too um, you can buy that in powder form or if if, if it's a small child and they can't take a capsule you can always open the capsule and mix it in with a little bit of yogurt or something as a snack before they go to bed OK, hi um, Annalise what would you recommend instead of cardio K, I can't get it anymore that's for the lowering of the cholesterol isn't it? Yes, so there's a few different alternatives. Is that gone completely again? No, do you know what happened Patricia all of the Red, the red rice yeast um, products were pulled off the shelf. The Irish Medicines Board, in their wisdom, has decided we are no longer able to sell it at 10 milligram dose per capsule. It's 3 milligram dose now per maximum per capsule, which means that people who have been on the 10 milligram very successfully now have to take three of the 3 milligram tablets. So they're all back on the shelves but they've been reformulated and they don't have the same dose. So, you know what? Some people won't have needed the full 10 milligrams to manage their cholesterol anyway, so it won't matter for some people. But for some people, it'll mean that they'll either have to take three tablets or they'll have to go on the drug. So the alternatives, if you can't get your hands on the cardio K, um, you could, there's also higher nature red sterile complex is one. Uh, we also have one here that is called Rice Pure, R-I-C-E-P-U-R, um, that has got red rice yeast extract in there, so it does the same as the Cardio K. Um, Terra Nova have a couple of lovely ones. They're a little bit more expensive, but they're really broad spectrum and they're good not just to bring your cholesterol down, they're brilliant just overall for vascular and circulatory and heart health. So they do a red sterile, com- a red, sorry, a red rice complex and they do one with CoQ10 in there as well, which is uh, a pr- another protector of one. Okay, hi, uh, question for Annalise, please. I'd like information on what supplements you would recommend for my daughter. She is 12 years old and is pre-menstrual. Should she be on any supplements? So, um, well, if, it depends on the symptoms, Patricia. So, like for some, some young girls, um, you know, they get quite cross or irritable or um, anxious or very weepy before their periods. Some will get um, terrible period pain. Some will get pains and tender breasts. 
So it depends very much on symptoms. Um, there's a lovely all-rounder. There's two nice all-rounders, actually. One by is, is by NHP, um, and they do a, a PM complex. Are, it's called PM Support, actually, sorry. And that has got a few, combination of a few different things in there that address actually all of those health issues. If it's more kind of anxiety, moody um, and sore breasts, BioCare P5P is really good. It's a combination of vitamin B6 and magnesium. Vitamin B6 is always great for hormonal related um, um, low mood or anxiety. It's great for menopausal low mood and anxiety as well. So that's called... Um, P5P and then also Nature's Plus to um, a PM support one. It is called um, Monthly Support. So Bio Advanced Monthly Support and any of those are great combos. Evening Primrose Oil will help for some people if they get the very hard lumps in their breasts, young girls. Um, and that could be another nice thing to add as well. Okay, before I let you go, can you explain please how one does the nasal rinse that you mentioned earlier? A number of people asking about that. Okay, so you can make the saline solution yourself at home with boiled water and um, and salt dissolved into it. So boil up the kettle, dissolve. Um, so I suppose per 500 mils, you'd want to put in about a teaspoon of salt. Try and use the Celtic sea salt because um, it's, our sea is just so wonderful in terms of having um, a broad spectrum of minerals in there. So there'll also be some iodine in Celtic sea salt, which is a great antiseptic. So dissolve a teaspoon in about half a litre, let it cool down, and then you're going to need one of those saline rinse um, um, bottles. You can buy them in any health shop. You'll probably get them in pharmacies. Sometimes they're also called neti pots, N-E-T-I pots. Um, but the ones, the plastic ones are the best and you literally just squirt it up through the nose and it could come down through the sinuses. It's brilliant for preventing coughs and colds. Um, for that, that study for COVID showed it and it's also great for clearing out sinuses. Yeah, it's fantastic. Sinusing. Fantastic for sinuses. Okay, listen, I'm going to let you go there. Um, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for Thanks. that, Annalise. And Annalise will put up all of the information that we discussed today on her website, healthhubstore.com as heard on the radio. And of course, our own John Paul will put um, our piece up as a separate podcast uh, this afternoon. That's where I go. I've been asked to say congratulations to Randall Oak Hurlers. They won the Carberry Junior B Hurling Championship final, beating Kilbean on uh, Saturday. Thanks to John Paul for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the Line Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.